From the Orion Policy Institute, this is Orion Talks. Our podcast brings together experts for a conversation about events shaping the world at the local, national, and global levels. Tune in as we discuss foreign policy, security, human rights, political and economic development, and various other issues. Hello, welcome to Orion Talks. I'm your host, Oak Chibukchu, and we have a special guest today, Mr. Carl Kaden. Mr. Kaden is a district criminal chief at the U.S. Attorney's Office in Southern District of Ohio. Welcome, Mr. Kaden. Thanks, Herzog. It's great to be here, Soad. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. Mr. Kaden has a diverse and rich background in law enforcement and work as a senior officer at different units to manage the enforcement of organized and drug-related crimes. He also served overseas and worked as the chief of the counterterrorism section at the U.S. Embassy in Kabul, Afghanistan. And today we have Mr. Kaden to discuss a timely and significant issue and to have his insights on the spillover effect of the Israel and Hamas conflict and the risks of violent extremism in the homeland and also increasing hate crimes against Jewish and Muslim communities. So it's pretty obvious that the October 7th attack and Israel's heavy military response have turned the region into a tragic conflict zone. The effects of conflict have gone beyond the region and significant spillover effect in other parts of the world. Hate crimes against Muslims and Jewish communities have dramatically increased in many countries, including the United States. And it's in his testimony to the US Congress on October 31st, FBI Director Christopher Wray highlighted potential threats to the United States due to the war in Gaza. He pointed out the rise in hate-rated violence and the intimidation against Jewish and Muslim people. He also expressed concerns about the potential violence from homegrown extremists and lone actors who could be inspired by the ongoing conflict and international terrorist organizations such as ISIS and Al-Qaeda to commit violence in the United States. So Mr. Kaden, as a senior law enforcement officer, so how do you evaluate the risk of hate crimes and violent extremism incidents in your jurisdiction and in the homeland in general, especially in the light of ongoing conflict in Gaza? Well, honestly, I I, uh, I agree with Director Ray's remarks uh, uh, yesterday. Um, uh, it there is there is a new level out there, but uh, I think uh, I, I, mean, I it's always good to be vigilant. But I think I, I think uh, it just seems to be turbulent times in which we live. So I would just say. Uh, that I, I don't I, I hope there are no specific threats uh, that that are that are exigent, you know, but uh, uh, but I, I do I do think that it's wise that everybody uh, pay closer attention to what's going on around them, uh, especially now. Okay. Um, you know, you have a kind of a senior position as a law enforcement in the law enforcement. So due to your position and you work closely with law enforcement agencies and other federal and state prosecutors and various <coughs> stakeholders in this um, in this issue. So do you think what steps can law enforcement agencies take to prepare themselves better to counter hate crimes? Well, I think um, the good news is uh, I'm not, there's good news on that front. I, I think we are significantly uh, working toward that end. I think that was you know, it was one of the things that uh, back way back when, you know, uh, I was I started in this business. There was there didn't seem to be much 
much emphasis placed on 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 outreach and on and on um, and trying to get ahead of some some issues. Uh, but uh, it's rather than sort of like we were dealing with, uh, we were sort of reflexively dealing with things. But I think you know if you you know the attorney general, uh, the attorney general just just uh, you know this over this last over this last year, you know com- uh, directed that every one of the U.S. attorney's offices uh, bring together uh, community groups, uh, community leaders, law enforcement um, at a variety of levels uh, for the purpose of building strength, trust, and uh, and coordination. To combat uh, hate crimes, just it's good in general for for crime fighting and law enforcement. I think we can all agree. But in specific, you know, uh, to address these kinds of crimes because these seem to be at the core of some of our more egregious mm-hmm. incidences. So, and to that end, I mean, the point is the time to do this is before you have a problem. You plan, prepare, you know, analyze, and I. Uh, so, you know, the. Uh, uh, over the past year, we've all, all the U.S., as I said, in 94 U.S. attorney's offices, we've all been out there doing these things and working with, uh, alongside our federal and state law enforcement partners to to, to work with, uh, not only with affected, the affected communities, but with people in general. And um, the, the department launched a program called uh, United Against Hate. Uh, and um, that specifically has been aimed at tr- trying to, uh, nobody should live nobody nobody should 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 exist every day you know having to fear for their safety simply because you know they're of their religion or their their color or anything else i mean that's you know we don't like we don't like it when somebody lives in 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 fear anyway and i think it's it's more irrational when it when it's one of those things so you know the hate-fueled violence uh just simply has should have no place in our community so we've done that and i think we're also my u.s attorney um, has uh, uh, and our group, our our office has reached out specifically to you know religious leaders, community leader, leaders in our district, and I know that other U.S. attorneys have done the same, uh, with the idea that that if we talk to each other, if we learn from each other, then we will be able to uh, we'll be able to 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 have a a relationship that will um, afford us the benefit of of, of preparation and, and give us better protection. You know. The other the other thing that you know, it's been going on in the department has been, um, you know, there there are uh, uh, financial support. You know, the federal government has uh, has uh, the ability to to fund large scale initiatives and has done so in this category. You know, uh, we're talking about, uh, you know, um, a large amount of money spent uh, to uh, inc- improve uh, uh, victim services, to ex- improve victim uh, reporting. You know, these a lot of a lot of communities uh, uh, don't report crimes that are that are that are are like this against them for a variety of reasons so but trying to get better trying to learn more about the crimes learn more about the people committing them learn more about the people being victimized in order to help them and to and to for and to prevent the prevent the violence you know one of the big initiatives uh in terms of that as you know as a as a scientist collecting information you know Mm -hmm. and going out and surveilling people i'm talking about you know when the stuff that we do every day in law enforcement and uh there's a, a a a big uh uh, we have a we have a, a program. Uh, if you're familiar, you probably are familiar with the the uh, National Incident Based Reporting System, uh, mm-hmm. NIBRS. So you know NIBRS, NIBRS, the new NIBRS, you know, transitioning towards the the old any old crime data collection system to, mm-hmm. to uh, the current uh, NIBRS system, affords law enforcement the opportunity to uh, collect more detailed data for each incident. Uh, this uh, more data equals better clarity, commonly. Mm-hmm. And, Provides uh, 
provides everyone, like researchers and scientists, uh, as, as well as uh, cops and agents and prosecutors and judges, with the idea, with with the ability to sort of sort out, you know, more about particular kinds of crimes and, and these kind of crimes. And you know, you, you just don't get that if if the if the if the the, uh, the information you get is really bland, you know, kind of vanilla. You know, yeah. this names this person's name, and that's the category of of crime. But you know we're talking about a, a lot of effort placed in, in this, in this category. I mean, we, so the department spent a lot of, a lot of that, you know, and again, back to the United against hate, you know, uh, you know, we had, we had uh, hundreds of United against hate events over the uh, the year, you know, with thousands of participants. And I think that's the emphasis I'd say, you know, in terms of like uh, getting, helping ourselves be better at countering hate crimes. One, you know, using these, using these resources to have a relationship have a relationship with the people we serve so that, you know, we can, we can uh, anticipate the crimes that they're, that they, maybe they don't, they're not, they don't see coming. Uh, we need to be able to protect them. And I'm talking about everybody always, and in, 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 in mm-hmm. the, here is hate, hate crimes, but really that's good for everybody. Um, and I think, you know, if we, if we just take this time to educate ourselves and to help other people, educate uh, the people we serve about what we can and do, uh, accomplish. Uh, I think that's great. And sometimes it requires, uh, you know, leaning in, but, uh, I yeah. think the uh, attorney general and the associate attorney general in this category, uh, AAG Gupta mm-hmm. been really clear about, about the, the leaning in part, you know, getting ahead of this. That's really the big thing, getting ahead of it. Yeah, I agree. Nibra is a great progress. You know, now you can see the each incidents before it was a kind of aggregate level data from UCR and you just get the numbers from police. That's it. So, Right. Uh, and also, you know, uh, and also I, I read this year's report. It was, I think, published last week. And we see kind of also increase in hate crimes. However, also we see like there are more police departments actually responding to these surveys. Um, so this is a great progress. Hopefully, you know, it's going to help us scientists to dive deep into this problem. Um, so the, the next question I really want to have your insights is, especially after 9-11, we realized that the intergovernment cooperation is important, like between different agencies, especially in intelligence. And the U.S. government, you know, tried to bring all these institutions connected. But the threat is now at different level, right? It's not from outside. It can It's much more homegrown. It can be inspirational. And now it's hate crime. So um, as a senior officer, so what kind of recommendations do you have to improve intergovernmental cooperation between federal, state, and local agencies, especially law enforcement agencies, to overcome such challenges? Well, it, you're no surprise. The theme of this conversation is communication. Uh, so mm-hmm. I think... Uh, from my experience, one of the things that that would be helpful for for local agencies and, and federal agencies to do when it comes to this kind of uh, um, uh, challenge, as you say, uh, but to, to, is to plan. So you want to, I think, I think to plan for specific events, work together. Yeah, actually, it, it, we're no, we're no different than any other uh, group of people trying to get things done. You know, if you want to, whether it's a, a you know a soccer team or mm-hmm. a or on a corporation, everybody has to be oriented. The arrows all got to be pointing in the same direction. And so the only way to ensure that the arrows are pointing all in the same direction, which is solution, you want to, you want to try it out. You want to have sort of conduct exercises at the, and that starts with a conversation. So 
I think uh, we all, I know there's a ton, there's a ton of informal communicating that goes on in, in every, every venture and every, in every environment. And law enforcement is so different and it's very useful and we should not kill that off. We, should, we need to keep that going because that is very helpful and, and it helpful at all levels. And, it's, and it promotes uh, a much better relationship, I think, between the parties. But beyond that, formalizing certain communications, I would say, is one thing. Formalize your communications uh, processes so that so that you in the event and, and, and then couple with that plan for specific events. Like what kind of an event? Do we, what, what is it? A mass shooting event? Is it? A, is it a, a, a some kind of a terrorism event? Whatever is it? A disaster? Whatever it is that you're going to have to be working together on doing, you mm-hmm. should try should try to figure out ahead of time who is going to do what because you're talking about a lot of times many different agencies with many different bosses and several different uh, you know radio channels or communications networks and. Uh, roles and responsibilities with, that they're used to doing, how they do business and how they uh, how they enforce the law and fight fires and all that stuff. Get together and sort it out ahead of time. That I think that's so communicate with each other about that. Get together and, and plan ahead. You know, then share the share information. Uh, again, if you have a formalized communications process of sharing and communicating, hey, we're going to do this. Uh, we think you guys might be involved because you're a neighboring jurisdiction or because you do this and, and this and we don't do that. We're going to have to have somebody doing that somewhere if this thing ca- happens. How about it? Um, so make that make that uh, to uh, to do that. And then finally, I would say, you know, doing this and uh, and, and doing other things is you you want to sort of like uh, like Gandhi said, you know, be be the thing that you seek. Right. You know, so mm-hmm. you show Look, we're this is what we're doing. We're working together. We're solving problems together. Together, solve problems. We're communicating. These are all great yeah. things. To tell the people that we serve uh, that that this is how we do business, and we work with each other. You know, we don't we don't fight. Uh, we don't we don't collapse. We we don't you know uh, run around and defend turf. I mean, what we do is we we look at what what has to be done. Who's going to do it? Let's get after it, and you get it done quickly, efficiently, and and in a tremendously positive way. Yeah. Um, thank you, Mr. Caden. So you talk about the government and the law enforcement, but this is only one side of the equation. On the other side, we have society, communities, right? <clears throat> and we see from DHS uh, strategy papers and also White, White House, um, uh, you know, strategies on fighting with terrorism and violent extremism you know, there is a kind of highlight on whole society approach. So how can we actually use society and different institutions bring together to deal with this homegrown issue? And uh, so from your perspective, so what kind of roles can community leaders, such as the leader of different faiths, faith-based organization, uh, play uh, a role in preventing hate crimes and reconcile seemingly divided communities, especially in the light of the ongoing conflict in Gaza. Well, it's axiomatic, you know, no, you can't pass a law to make anybody like each other or get along, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's, so that's, that, that's not, that's not the goal here. Uh, but I think just like what I said before about, about a couple of things, one, you know, get ahead of it, you know, and so what does that mean? That means if you're us, if you're on the law enforcement side, that, that you need to, you need to reach out to these folks in the community and engage with them. And you, when I say engage, I don't mean you go out there and you tell them things, you tell them this is the way it's going to be. You tell them that, or, you know, listen to them, you know, people, people, 
people in America need to do more listening. And so, you know, we should, we should be the example. We should, we should do these things, I think, in law enforcement. Hey, just mm-hmm. listen to the person you know, this is their problem you're trying to help them with with what was going to maybe be their problem so how about listening to how they see it and if you don't see it the same way they see it then now's the time to sort it out ahead of time so when you do that you'll i think you establish that good dialogue and i think they then in, in, encouraging them as we do as i said the example is we the different federal and state agencies law enforcement emergency response you know all kinds of providers get together to, to solve the problem they'll do the same and invite them to the table, invite them to the table and let, and let them, you know, and let, let them help themselves by, by creating dialogue, creating the pathways, having these formulas, these more formalized communications processes and the structure that you're providing, you know, and so that they can get to know each other. And, you know, what you find out is that, is that everybody is very, very similar and everybody wants to be safe and everybody wants their children to be safe Mm -hmm. and wants to, you know, be able to go to their work and, and, I've found, I've say, as you said, you know, I've been all, and I went out when I was the, when I worked, I was the, I was the justice attache in Afghanistan in 2016. And before that, I, I would, I realized I was the chief of the counterterrorism section in the justice attache's office at the embassy. Mm-hmm. That was one of the striking things that I saw um, in our work, uh, working with the Afghans, uh, attorney general's anti-terrorism prosecution department and the agencies in Afghanistan that were responsible for this is that, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of listening that had that had gone on. We were doing a lot of this is what you need to do, and this is how this was going to solve. But um, it, it, it's if you don't listen to people, and you're never going to get the way they live and how how they approach problems. And shocker, everybody approaches problems in a different mm-hmm. way. These perspectives. So you know, I think for the community, your question, I think so. If we show, if we demonstrate the things that that we think we should do. And invite them to participate. I think that's a that's a big help. And then encourage them to continue dialoguing with each other and getting ahead of this. The wrong time to do this, as the attorney general said, is is when it happens. I mean, that's that's the that's not the good the best time. The best time to do it is ahead of time. So if you yeah. get these things ahead of time, encourage this cross cross cultural cross uh, cross agency cross uh, uh, jurisdictional uh, dialogue. Uh, and everybody goes, okay, this is how we're going to handle it. If there is a, an X event, a Y event, a Z event, I think that, that, that will do a lot. I mean, to solve problems. Yeah. So being proactive and being ready <clears throat> before the incident happens. So, um, and considering your international and national kind of experience at different levels and at different institutions, do you see like some community resources that are mostly disregarded or unnoticed by law enforcement, but you you find them valuable, especially in dealing with this complicated, sophisticated challenges of hate crimes and violent extremism? Is there any kind of resources that you can point out to us and our listeners? Well, as I said before, I think, you know, I, I'm no statistician. I don't keep the numbers at the at the department, but you know the mm-hmm. department is the Department of Justice, U.S. government has made an awful lot of funding available to help in every category, every area that we've talked about. You know, it's it's out there, and I I would suggest that anybody that's interested in in doing this uh, look into that, look into how because the idea the again the idea is just get people in the room and and talk and let them let them let them say what they need to say and, and hear it so that you can formulate the right answer that will help the problem uh, go away or prevent the problem from occurring. Um, 
So I think that's the first thing is that, you know, is that pay attention to the, the potential for funding the things that you otherwise would think, I, we can't afford to do that, you know, or we don't, you know, we can't do that. Well, maybe you can, and maybe you can't, if you're a, a local law enforcement or a state law enforcement person. I think in Cincinnati, our, our local law enforcement people have done a really good job. And, and actually in Southern mm-hmm. District Ohio, I mean, Columbus and Dayton, our cities, you know, there's a tremendous effort in place now, I think, across the district, way more. Than when I than when I first started prosecuting cases about forty years ago, there's just is a significant, significantly greater awareness of the value of mm-hmm. what we call you know here leaning in, you know lean into yeah. your discomfort, lean into it. If you know don't don't let something be awkward about like hey you know I don't want to say this I'm afraid you know that coming from me that you you might take this the wrong way you know. No, I I want to have a conversation that's honest, and I, and we we both want to get it. We both want to get ahead in this and 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 this thing, and and uh, get move the chains down the field. So, why would the first thing is to be honest with each other, and and to be to be uh, mm-hmm. meet each other with affection, you know, with with openness, and you know, and you you know, you can say I have an open mind, but you have to show yeah. it. You have the open mind, and so I think that's the biggest thing that law enforcement agencies and local people can do is is you know, see the resources that are there, but but go in there with the idea that you're gonna you're gonna get the most out of it. Nobody goes to I say nobody goes to the the golf course wearing uh you know, like winter winter coats or you don't go to a you don't go to yeah. a batting you don't go to a batting cage wearing a scuba outfit. No, prepare yourself for the event. Get ready. Go in and be ready to go in and and uh, and learn things. Uh, that to me is the is the best way to go forward. You know, educate yourselves. Help 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 educate other people. You know, but it's it requires everybody to come in with with an open mind and an open heart. Yeah. So, as you highlighted, it's a multi-dimensional equation. Law enforcement is just one side. Community, you know, is important to get their support, but also not everyone affected at the same level. So there are, especially when considering the hate crimes, the minorities are the ones that can be really um, vulnerable. So. And it's a kind of, it's a tricky thing, you know, law enforcement approaching the minorities. Um, so how do you think should the law enforcement agencies approach these vulnerable populations in case they are at risk of being targeted by violent extremists, those criminals, you know, like those who actually come with prejudice? What can be the, the strategies can law enforcement follow? Well, I... Honestly, uh, Suad, I, I resist. I, I am a as a person who spent 28 years in the army. I, I resist one mm-hmm. side, nobody uh, things. So I don't know that there's any particular uh, specific strategy that that you, you could employ across the board. I would say the first the first thing to do is become get as educated, get as smart as you can about the group with which you seek to connect. Understand mm-hmm. try your best to understand them. Try your best to figure out, you know, everything, everything you can. I mean, it's not easy that you may have to read something, you know what I mean? You know, you may, you may have to talk to people. You, you have to understand. So that will help you and talk. To, and maybe if you, if you can talk to people who are, you find people who are maybe in law enforcement or in government or someplace that you can, that you can at least have some conversation with about, about the, the cultural things that you've noticed in your first research are different. Um, and that other people have said, you know, this is not, you know, some some cultures are exceptionally direct. Uh, the Dutch, they're famously direct. Yeah. And the conversations, if you, if, you know, if you, you know, they, you will have a conversation with a person from the Netherlands and you you may be stunned at, at if you ask them questions that about give their opinion about 
you or, or you know something they'll give you their opinion and you may not like it but it's it's the how they feel and their their attitude is this you asked me this question i'm going to be honest with you but other cultures you know that would be horribly rude you know and that would be inappropriate and implied and, and you'd move you'd move backwards so you really got to you really got to know you got to know your audience we say as we say in litigation you know, know your jury you know know your know your judge know your mm-hmm. jury you know so you know that's the first thing you know and the, the second thing is you know, once you know them and once you once you've kind of figured out a way, uh, be humble. Go in, uh, but go in. And uh, if, if a direct approach is helpful, kind of the knock on the door approach uh, or if it's a, if there's an interlocutor or you know somebody that, who who is identified as as someone who ha- has deep connections with the community, yeah, people will help, you know, and, and you got to be careful sometimes about, you know, other people having an agenda, you know, if they're, you know, that kind of thing. But, but I think in general, um, you know, each, each person seeking to make the connection can make the connection. They, they have to want to do it. They have to get themselves. Like I said, the first thing is attitude. I'm going to lean in. I'm going, I'm going to, I, I'm going to go forward and, and show you who I am. I'm going to go forward and have my, you know, have open arms and an open heart and open mind. And, we're going to, we're going to have a conversation. And if you don't like it, you can tell me, but it won't be because I am not trying to this, but, but getting to that point probably usually requires the person to, to listen to a whole lot, to learn a lot more about the other side of the, of the conversation first. So I think that is the, you know, that's the, that's the approach that I would suggest to take. That's the, that the vulnerable populations, particularly because they're already, usually you're there because you know, there's, they're demonstrably vulnerable. They've, they've been, they're being, Mm -hmm. been victimized. So what has this done to them? Why are they not telling you? Why, you know, underreported, why are the, why, why is, why are things, if you think things are under, underreported from them, why is that? And then address and and go in there. That's the problem you need to solve among the others, not just the crime problem, but you need to solve the relationship problems first. You ain't going to solve the crime problem until you solve the relationship problem. Yeah. You know, I think the keyword is, I agree with you, and the empathy, right? Having empathy, yeah. especially in relations with these vulnerable populations. Uh, Mr. Caden, thank you so much for your time and for your insights on this timely and very critical topic. Uh, I hope to host you in future occasions. Um, thank you so much. Thank you. It was a pleasure, and I appreciate you asking me. Good luck. Thank you.